Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer, in today for Michael Krasny. The pandemic is affecting all of us in different ways, but maybe no one feels it more than California's foster youth. Even in the best of times, life poses plenty of challenges for them, but now stay-at-home orders and online learning are presenting new problems like lack of internet access for at-home instruction, and it's harder for them to visit with their biological parents. We'll hear how government and social service agencies are dealing with this. And then later in the hour, a Republican effort to recall Governor Gavin Newsom is gaining some steam. We'll hear just how serious a threat it is. That's next on Forum, right after the news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer, in today for Michael Krasny. Later in the hour, we're going to delve into a drive to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. But first, the pandemic and how it's affecting California's foster youth. Transitioning to online classes, tough for most kids, can be even more challenging for foster youth, especially since surveys show that most lack technical support or internet access. Also, you've got the stay-at-home orders, and that's making getting together harder, leaving kids unable to meet in person with their biological parents or siblings, and there are lots of other issues as well. So in this segment, we'll hear how the pandemic is affecting foster care youth and how state and local services are responding. Joining me first is Asianique Dunlap. She's a former foster youth and now works for the nonprofit John Burton Advocates for Youth. Asianique, welcome. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. And let me just begin by asking you a little bit about yourself. Um, you're, a, as I said, a former foster youth. Uh, where, what are you doing now? You're like, where are you living? What's your situation? Um, so I'm living in Sacramento, California. Um, I'm still living in my apartment through extended foster care, and I'm still attending at college at my university at Sacramento State University. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing for the John Burton organization. With John Burton, I'm advocating for youth just like me and making sure that all our needs are being met during this pandemic. And give us a sense of, you know, I, I, I mentioned a couple at the top, but what are some of the issues either you or the folks you talk to are facing right now? So a lot of a lot of youth are losing out on jobs. A lot of youth are losing out on 
getting into a housing program. They're on a wait list. There's a lot of stuff that this pandemic has caused. And personally for myself, I've missed out on uh, job loss during the beginning of the pandemic. I've also experienced new virtual learning as something new to me. And also kind of funny, grocery shopping has been a little different for me if I'm not able to find certain things because of the pandemic. And did do you feel like you have a support system in place either at work or uh, from, you know, your foster family? Um, I feel my housing program is a good support system. And, and are you in touch with uh, other you know members of your family at all, either your biological or your foster family? No. So that's that's you're sort of on your own then in a certain sense. Yeah, and I also just had a child during the pandemic, so that has been a little rough for me. Um, but now everything's good and everything's okay because I've reached out to some resources in Sacramento County. Um, and and just a little background, you grew up in Sacramento, is that correct? You have a couple siblings, I think? Yeah, a, a lot of my siblings, we kind of stick together and we try to like make sure we're, we all have what we need and we just visit each other sometimes to make sure we're okay during this pandemic. And what was your um, school situation like for you before the pandemic? You said I think you're you're in college now. Uh, what changed? Uh, you know, back in March or so. Once we switched to virtual learning, it was totally different. It was a lot harder to communicate with professors at the university and just adjusting to everything virtual, like Zoom meetings and not being able to see, you know, your students every, you know, students every day, your peers. Yeah, you kind of lose, lose touch. Yeah. And um, when you talk to other uh, young people in the foster care system, uh, what are they telling you? Like, what are the need? What do they need, you know, from you or from uh, the state or from their social service agency? I mean, what are what are they looking for? Well, they are most most youth are out of the job, so uh, they need a job, and then a lot of youth need housing right now because of the pandemic. Um, and also a lot of youth, they need help with like their, their school stuff. So like FAFSA, they need help with, they need help with getting onto virtual learning. Some, some of the foster youth didn't have laptops. Some of them didn't even have cell phones or Wi-Fi. So with John Burton Advocates for Youth, they helped them get that laptop and cell phones. Sorry, so to kind of get them a little bit more up to speed uh, with the technology part of it. You said, you mentioned housing. Um, How has that been affected? Is it that there are fewer 
families who are available to take in foster youth or because uh, it seems like um, you know in some ways at least here in San Francisco it might be different up where you are because a lot of people have moved from here to Sacramento or the Sacramento area but is it just harder to find housing now? Yes ever since the housing crisis in California it's been terrible um, it's been terrible because of the high rent and how the wage, the minimum wage was. And also with these housing programs, there wasn't enough money being put in to help all these foster youth. And there was a wait list for foster youth, and they would might be waiting between, you know, two to three months. And for my case, I was waiting when I was 18. When I turned 18 and I transitioned, I had to wait about two months just to get into housing. And what, what did I'm you do in the meantime? Student. Sorry, what did in you do the in the meantime? I'm just attending college. I'm, I'm just, you know, couch surfing, going back and forth. I'm pretty much trying to survive until I get into some apartment yeah. of my own. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like the foster, being in foster care, I mean, you've been, you have to be more uh, independent in some ways, uh, not, uh, you know, because of the failings of the system sometimes, but do you feel in any way that uh, the situation you're in has made you more, you know, resilient? Uh, has it made it in any way easier to kind of, uh, to get through these tough times because you've had to do that before? Yes. Which is not to say it wouldn't be nice if there was more help, right? Yes. It's, that's the foster system for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it has been like that for a long time. Do you feel, uh, I mean, when you, uh, as part of the advocacy that the John Burton uh, organization does, I mean, are there, is there, are there one or two things that pop out for you that uh, you would love to see the state do that it hasn't done uh, to date? Honestly, I feel the state should help the foster youth as soon as they get out of high school and help them figure out what they need to do or what they want to do. Um, it's very important that each foster youth, you know, goes through what they want to do and help them apply for things like FAFSA, help them apply for things so that they can have something to do after 18. Yeah, and uh, I know that years ago, uh, kids just aged right out. Young people, teens aged out of foster care. Now they have that additional few years that they can stay on the program. That, has that helped? Yes, it's helped a lot, even with youth that haven't been able to graduate from high school and that are currently working on that. At an, you know, at 18, a lot of youth are behind and a lot of youth aren't even going to college, and it would be helpful to have somebody get them there. So that's why I really appreciate all of my workers, social workers, caseworkers that's been helping me through this process at Sac State. Yeah. Well, Agent Inc., I wish you the best, and uh, thanks for the work that you're doing with the John Burton uh, Advocates for Youth. I'm sure a lot of uh, your peers are really grateful for that help, and I, I want to wish you uh, a Merry Christmas, and let's hope 2021 is better than 2020, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much.
All right, Asianique Dunlap, a former foster youth now working with uh, the nonprofit John Burton Advocates for Youth. We would love to hear from you. This is a half-hour segment, so uh, if, especially if you're a foster youth or maybe a foster family or you have a child in foster care, how has the pandemic affected services or care? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. Again, the number is 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. As always, we're at KQED Forum, or if you like, you can email us. It's forum at KQED. Org. All right, I'm going to bring in another couple of guests right now. Jen Daly is a Dependency Project Lead Attorney with Legal Services for Children. Welcome, Jen. Good to have you. Good morning. And also with us, Ray Landry. Uh, he is a social worker with the Contra Costa County Children and Family Services, uh, and I want to welcome you as well. And f- let me just start with you, Jen. Uh, some thoughts about what you heard from Asianique. You know, um, she touched on so many of the various ways that foster youth are being impacted right now. Um, I can also speak to some of the ways that younger youth are are being impacted here um, because, you know, I represent kids from zero to 21. And, you know, the way that I get perspective on this is I think about how we're all relying on our nuclear and immediate families right now. And, you know, there's, you know, how how are parents devoting to supporting kids' education? You know, have kids moved home from college when college yeah. is closed or they lost their jobs? Um, but our foster kids are separated from their parents, so there's they really need this broader community to survive. Yeah, Jen, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break, and again, I'll give out the phone number. It's 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786, or you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. This is a half-hour segment, so now is the time to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We're talking about some of the special challenges for foster youth in this pandemic. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. And welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here today for Michael Krasny. We're talking for the rest of this half hour about the pandemic and how it's affecting the foster care system in California. I'll give out the number again. It's 866-733-6786. And my guests are Jen Daly. She's with Legal Services for Children. And Ray Landry is a social worker with Contra Costa County. And Ray, let me ask you, uh, what are some of the major stressors on foster youth and and families that you've seen, especially since the start of the pandemic? Yes, good, good, good morning. Um, Yeah, the uh, services uh, to our, our clients uh, have, has definitely been impacted. Children, children and family services is, is often uh, dependent upon uh, other people 
who we use to bring to provide services to our children. And that has been the biggest issue, uh, either either for good or to bring challenges. Uh, for for example, um, in in during the incubator stage, uh, there was a there, there were many mandates, uh, uh, state mandates, national mandates, county mandates that uh, restricted things that are important to youth, like going to the dentist, going to the doctor, uh, visiting with visiting with their families, uh, even going to school in person, where uh, so much of their social life uh, took place. Uh, it was it was a it was extremely uh, difficult. Um, it was, uh, we were, we were fortunate, uh, after about 30 days into the pandemic, uh, to see the courts develop, uh, processes to get the case, their, the cases heard, uh, families were able to get visits again. Uh, many of the school districts were great, um, in getting technologies to the children. Uh, there was a great, there's a great organization, Coco Kids, who uh, stepped in to help working, working parents uh, in the foster care system with child care, uh, with with their needs, and and so many of those things were were addressed by people we partner with, and I just want to, uh, you know, just give a big shout out to the many people who partner with children and family services during these difficult times to address or to lessen uh, the impact of, uh, of the outcomes of COVID-19. And, and Ray, I, if I, unless I misunderstood you, I thought you said at the beginning of your answer that some things had changed for the, for the good, for the better. Is that accurate? And if so, what, like what, what's better now? Uh, well, the the thing the things that are that are better i mean during during the incubator uh period uh, many like many other agencies we were we were restricted by you know government rules policies procedures regulations out of our control as service providers but once uh, uh the state legislators uh the uh local uh politicians and courts uh, came together and agreed on what we can do and what we could not do. Uh, we were able to come up with creative ways to pursue those things to uh, help the children and families we serve uh, achieve wellness. So maybe you had a little more flexibility than you had before? That is correct. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to the phones because, uh, as I've said, this is a half-hour segment. Again, the number to call if you want to join us, it's 866-733-6786. And let's go to Shelly in San Francisco. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my name is Shelly. I've been a CASA, a court-appointed special advocate, for 10 years. And uh, due to the pandemic, we are not seeing the youth that we see on a regular basis. So we are volunteers. Uh, there are four or five hundred of us in San Francisco alone, and um, due to the restrictions of the pandemic, we're not able to see the youth as often as we had in the past, which is usually once a week, once every other week. And often we are the only consistent adult, excuse me, in a child's life. 
because uh, social workers change, or the service providers change, schools change, foster families change, but youth, but youth tend to, CASAs tend to stay with their youth for the duration or as long as they possibly can. I've worked with two youth for eight years apiece, hmm. and um, that's a huge impact on these children. And, and Shelley, first of all, thanks for, for doing that volunteer work. Uh, CASA is a great organization, but just for those who don't know, just briefly tell us what you do. You basically kind of represent them in the legal system, right? We we represent them. We represent their wants and needs that that are not necessarily those things they need legally, but they may need more support in school. They may need uh, tutoring services, which the public schools will provide. But somebody has to remind the public schools that these services are needed by this for this particular child. We often attend. Um, we often represent their educational rights. So those children who have special education plans. Uh, will be represented by their by their casa in, in addition to just taking them out to have activities in the neighborhood to um, have more of a regular life than they would necessarily have in a foster placement or and many of these youth are in uh, congregate care which also makes um, makes it more risky right now but also makes seeing them more difficult right now as well and um, so we represent them, we, we report to the court, and what we write is very important to the judges. And additionally, not just not seeing their casa, but because court is not taking place in person for the most part, these youth who may not be having visitation often only get to see their parents when they go to court. Yeah. And youth are not going to court now. Yeah. In addition to um, and in addition to my casa work, I also am the handler for the court dog that goes to dependency <laughs> court, and um, he's not getting to work now either. Yeah, Jen Daly, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, I mean, casa is really a critical bridge between the foster youth and the legal system. But what are some of the things that you see either falling through the cracks or that just you know um, are more difficult to address because of the pandemic? Yeah, I think that uh, what Shelley's talking about is kind of the isolation that these youth are feeling. They have, like, uh, they really need connection with their broader community, right? And they're cut off from that. So we're seeing a lot of mental health um, increase in anxiety and depression. We're seeing a lot more 5150s in mental health hospitalizations just because there's no, there's no connection. Um, and so, and I think there is an, the kids are really experiencing pandemic fatigue like the rest of us. I believe that in the beginning, kids were engaging in mental health services via Zoom, um, but they're, I'm not seeing my clients as engaged in that um, because of they've been doing it for a while. Um, and the, like Shelly mentioned, the lack of visitation. I have a one-year-old who's visiting her parent um, via Zoom. I don't know how we're supposed to promote attachment with a one-year-old on Zoom. It seems a little bit mm. ridiculous to me. Yeah, really um, tough. Really tough. So. Well, Shelly, thank you very much again for the volunteer work you do and, and for calling in. Let's go to uh, one more call here. Tanya is calling from San Jose. Welcome. Good morning. Yes, hi. I'm a former CASA as well, and CASA is a great program. Let me say that first off. But I'm also a former foster parent, and my experience with the foster parent system was that as a parent, uh, I wasn't getting enough support or in, in regards to being able to provide structure for a child as far as like, okay, you should be doing your homework, or if you do good in school, then we can go to the movies or we can go and get ice cream where their lives are so impacted with so many social workers and therapists coming into their schools 
pulling them out of class, asking them same repeated questions all the time, that you are, aren't able to be a parent. It kind of messes up with the flow of how your house runs, and it interferes with true int- intimacy and love that you can provide for a child when you have someone else coming in and saying, oh, no, they don't have to do their homework because mm-hmm. we're going to take them to the movies anyway. Mm-hmm. And not to say that they shouldn't have those type of things, but they need it needs to be earned. And then later on when they're getting older and it's getting time for them to age out, it's not like a big adjustment that you're going to have to work and you're going to have to go to school and you're going to have to do your homework if you have a parent that is willing to actually parent you Mm -hmm. and teach you and guide you through this situation. And I feel at when I was doing it, the support wasn't there for that. Yeah. Well, Tanya, thanks. Uh, thanks for the work that you do do. And uh, just before we go to the break, uh, Ray Latery, what, uh, what can you tell folks who are listening? Is there a resource, a phone number that people can call to, or a website to get more information? If they want to volunteer, if they want to, you know, help reach out in some way, or if, if they're in foster care or they're a foster family, uh, is there, what would be a good resource that uh, they may not know about? Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, as, as, I, as, I, as I stated um, bef- before, uh, the uh, Children and Family Services is very dependent upon the foster parents, the CASAs, mental health professionals, and, and so forth. Um, one way to get, in, get involved is, is through contacting our RFA program, which is the Resource Family Approval Program, in which a person can become uh, provide uh, emergency placement or even uh, uh, placement for uh, one one of one of our families in in need. And if you give me a moment, let's see the at the number you could the the ad the email address is rfa at ehsd dot cc county dot us that is rfa at ehsd dot cc county dot us uh if you want to learn okay. more about the program and Great. how to get involved thank you so much and then jen just real quick uh, is there a phone number for uh, legal services uh, that you can let us know about jen daly are you there well, it seems like maybe we lost Jen. We have to take a break anyway, but I want to thank all of our guests for this segment. Uh, at the top, Asianique Dunlap with the John Burton Advocates for Youth. Also, Jen Daly with Legal Services for Children. And Ray Landry, who is a social worker with Contra Costa County. We're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about this campaign to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. I'm Scott Schaefer, here today for Michael Krasny. That's next.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.